Hello and welcome to Women Winning Their Way. I'm your host, Clara Capano. And let me ask you this. Have you ever had one of those moments where you've just been fed up? Have you ever been around people who are just bringing you down? And have you ever just wanted to throw your hands up in the air and say, F it and just be done and move on? Well, these are the things that we're going to talk about today. This is the show where we get real and we talk about professional women and how together we can break through anything that is thrown our way and we can create success on our terms. Before we dive into today's episode and I bring on my guest, I just want to remind you that I have kicked off my brand new membership and it is called the Lioness League. My goal is to provide both accessible and affordable training to everyone. So you don't have to just be a woman. It's open to everyone in every industry. What I do is I provide you with exclusive trainings that are going to surround the ideas of productivity, mindset, and leadership. It's going to give you access to an online community of other dynamic professionals for collaboration as well as just sharing ideas. And then also you're going to get access to tons of masterclasses and other interviews. I want to build a global community where we are impacting lives and creating a platform of positivity and growth. So check the link out. It's only $7 a month. So let's get real. $7 a month for all that value. It is just a small drop in the bucket in helping you level up. So check out the Lioness League and let me bring even more clarity to your life and your business. So with that said, let's get ready to start the conversation. I am bringing on my friend, Melissa Foote. Melissa, welcome to the studio. Hi, Clara. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. You know, you and I connected um, maybe about a year ago and, you know, we have so many things in common and we've been talking about getting you on the show. So I'm glad that it is finally happening. And I'm really excited because I know that you have had a lot of different pivots and a lot of different dynamics going on in your life. But before we get into you and your story, you know, tell me a little bit when you were a kid, when you were young and you thought into your future, what did you think success was going to look like for you? You know, I was really lucky to have a pretty great childhood. I grew up like you with a bunch of sisters and my parents were just really hardworking. They raised us in church and we lived in suburbia. And so I don't know if I really dreamed of my future, but I just thought at least if I went to college and got a good job like my parents and eventually got married and had a family that that would be success. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really have some grand vision when I was little. I just thought, If I could at least do that, I'd be going places. Exactly. Yep. Just follow the path, get the job, get the family, check off those boxes and everything will fall into place. So we had that vision and we always know that sometimes, you know, reality kind of hits us upside the head. And I know that, you know, through your career, you know, you've had those moments, both personally and professionally, where you really had to, you know, step back and take another look at it. So, you know, Start off by telling us what was some of the what was one of those moments that you had early on that caused you to have to look inside the inner strength that you have and say F it to everybody else and start following your own path. You know, I um, I went to college and I got uh, my teaching license. I started right out of college in a teaching job um, in the same town where I grew up. And so 
I just kind of thought this was it. So I started teaching, got married, raised my kids. And when I turned 40, I had that effort moment. Mm -hmm. I realized I'd kind of let my whole life pass me by. I was just comfortably, you know, trucking along, doing all the things I thought, you know, what success was. And then something came up in my personal life and it really made me reflect on where I was and where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And, um, it easily could have been a midlife crisis, but I chose to look at it more of like a midlife awakening. And I decided to really analyze all the parts of my life, you know, my job, where we were living, all of the things. And I decided to, I guess, dream a little bit bigger and decide I don't have to just settle in what's comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so from that moment, I ended up quitting my job, which people thought I was crazy. You know, nobody around me in my circles were entrepreneurs. And so I decided I was going to start my business and people, you know, all of the naysayer mm -hmm. things people say, like, are you sure that's scary? What about retirement? What about this? What about that? And so I think that that moment in my um, 40th year, though, was just kind of like that really defining moment where I knew this is not what I wanted for the rest of my life. So I just didn't even care what people said. And I just started surrounding myself with different groups of people who were chasing their dreams and other women who were starting businesses or in business. And so it gave me a whole new perspective on what I wanted for the next season of my life. Yeah. And I think that your feeling of kind of that waking up moment is, is not lost. I think there are so many people out there who do that. You know, they're doing all the quote unquote right things like you did. They got the secure job, but then they wake up and they don't feel fulfilled because again, they've been following a path that traditionally has been safe, has been, they've been told do this, you'll get security, but we have this longing that is inside of us. So you know, doing this again, like you mentioned, you know, you were kind of leaving the, the safety of having the pension, the insurance, all of these, you know, and now you're going into this unknown. How did you and what were some of the things that you did to sort of prepare yourself for that? Because there's a lot of people out here that might be watching this that are wanting to do the same thing, but are afraid. What were some of the steps that you took to kind of help prepare you for that unknown? I think one of the most important things I did that I wasn't intentionally doing in the moment, but now that I look back, I can see, I really became incredibly purposeful about who I surrounded myself with. I started, um, even my mindset shift. I think that, you know, as a kid of the eighties, we all grew up with like certain mindsets about money and success. Mm -hmm. And so I started listening to podcasts and I started reading books and I, um, joined some women's business groups. And I just, I completely revamped who I was in my life in the day to day. Mm -hmm. And it gave me just so much energy for the possibility of what I could do, seeing other women doing these things. And mm -hmm. so that probably was the most important thing. I also um, was very humbled because I had been a teacher for 18 years. And so I was already becoming one of the older teachers in the building. And so I just felt very confident in my craft and starting from scratch in entrepreneurship was very hard because I didn't know how to put up a website. I didn't know how to do 
my accounting. I didn't know how to market. I didn't know anything. And so I took the pressure off of myself of feeling like I had to be at the same level I was as a classroom teacher and knowing that I was going to have to learn. I was going to have to fall on my face. I was going to have to fail. And just accepting that was really huge because I think as women, we set ourselves up for, you know, meeting such high standards And if you're going to get out of your comfort zone and you're going to try something new and you want to be fulfilled in a new way, you have to accept that it's going to be hard and you're going to fail. And that's okay because that's part of the process. Right. And I think a lot of us, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you were sort of at the top, you know, you had been there for many years and it can be a real hit to our ego and our confidence and it can shake us to our core of, you know, what are we doing, you know, when you have to again, start over. So I think that that is such a valuable lesson of being able to, to, you know, have that humility and again, have grace for yourself knowing that you are starting over. I know that I went through that. Sometimes I sit back and I'm like, why am I not further along in this area? But then I have to remember, oh, I really only just started this journey. Even though I maybe have been in the business world, you know, I just started this new project six months ago. And remembering that again, it's those 10,000 hours that we talk about and learn about that we have to, again, keep getting in and showing up. So on the days that were really hard, on the days that maybe, you know, you did feel like you wanted to give up because we all have days like that. What were some of the things that you did to, to motivate you to keep you going? Honestly, I still have those days. And I'm about four years into my business. And I think that just Um, I have a really great tribe of women who I feel like I can be really raw with. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, just being um, able to share, like, this is a really hard day. And not that I expect everybody to just always be building me up. I mean, some of my closest friends challenge me the most. Mm -hmm. But just having a safe space where I can go when I am having hard days. And I I do believe that you can't have the great without, you know, some of the hardships. So Mm -hmm. even sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I kind of embrace it. And it's like, okay, this is going to be the hard day, but good. I'm getting it over with. Mm -hmm. And so even like, I know you have said multiple times on podcasts and I'm in your lioness league, you know, about, um, you take one day a year to just lay low on Thanksgiving or, you know, I, I, (laughs) yeah, I think it's okay to have those days. It's taken me a long time to learn to lay low and take care of myself. I think growing up, my parents were such hard workers. I always, I think I did this to myself. I just thought if I wasn't doing something, I was being lazy. Mm-hmm. And I've realized how important when I'm having a bad day, like maybe I take the day off and I go to coffee with a friend or I go for a walk outside or, you know, just something to take care of myself because otherwise I sit at home and I try to you know, make steps forward. And I'm just not in the headspace to do that. And then I just feel like I'm making the problem worse. And Mm -hmm. so just giving myself grace on those hard days and going to my my tribe of people Mm -hmm. has been really helpful. I I think we really need to remember again, that there is strength in being vulnerable. This was a lesson that I did not learn until later. And I, for whatever reason, was of the mindset that if I went to people and said, hey, I'm struggling, they would think that I was weak. They would lose trust in me. They wouldn't want to work with me. And even after my son was born and I was going through postpartum, you know, I couldn't tell anybody because they would think I couldn't handle it. So I kept shoving those emotions down. And 
thinking they would go away, which they never did. Now I have learned, you know, and this is why I love what you talk about with, you know, getting your tribe of other women or other people together, because, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to start this show is to create that safe place where somebody else can be like, oh, she went through it too, you know, and doing that and knowing that we all are going through the same journeys at different times in different perspectives, but knowing that we're not so alone, I think is, is huge. So working with that. Well, and I think I was kind of forced into asking for help and being, being vulnerable as well when, um, so we have a nine or 18 year old and then we have 14 year old twins. So our twins, we don't have twins in our family. When we found out we were pregnant with twins, it was a bit of a shock. They ended up being born a couple months early. And so I had a four-year-old and then I had newborn twins who were in the NICU and I had no other choice than to ask for help. And it was really amazing to me to see how people want to help. And if I were in their shoes, I would want the same thing. And so I think we put all of this like self-judgment on ourselves that if we you know, aren't showing up perfect, or we ask for help, people are going to think we're weak or needy. But honestly, I think that in those moments where you ask for it, you allow other women to feel like it's okay to also show up that way. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a, a group of women who you have, you know, trust, then it's okay to be messy. And honestly, that's, I feel like half of the battle of getting through life is being able to have those people to get through the messy stuff. Mm -hmm. And and again, embracing the mess and, you know, understanding that that is part of the process. One of my very favorite quotes is from a gentleman named Robin Sharma, and it's about change. And he says that change is scary at first. It's messy in the middle, but then it's glorious at the end. And so many people, when it gets messy, they retreat back to that comfort zone when, you know, we know we've got to get through that. It's, you know, it's part of what is part of the journey and that's what makes us strong. So, you know, you had your, your big effort moment when you were 40, you know, you're starting your business and we all know, again, when we start our business, not every day is filled with rainbows and unicorns and people come out of the woodworks and try to tell us there's competition out there or what we're doing is wrong. Or we post something and somebody says, I really didn't like that post that you did. So what have been maybe some other effort moments that you've had where you've had to learn, you know what? this is up to me. I'm following my path and going to block out that negativity. Um, so I own a photo organization business and I love teaching. So I was starting to teach people because in the world of digital pictures, which we all started taking in the early 2000s, you know, people just have a mess of pictures everywhere on their phones and computers. And I think we often take for granted. I personally just, I have so much passion about the importance of pictures. I think they're some of our most important, you know, possessions. I think it tells stories and all of the things, but I think often people kind of take for granted that they're just sitting somewhere. And so I started teaching people how to organize their pictures. And it started with my family and friends. And then I started teaching in um, 55 and older communities because a lot of those people never grew up with technology. So I was teaching them how to get their pictures organized. And it's funny because I hit a couple roadblocks with you know, whether it was the staff at some of the 55 and older communities that weren't as um, responsive when I would email them to try to set up classes, or even with some of the residents, every once in a while, I'd have some, you know, senior in the community who didn't like the way I did things. And so I really had to get thick skin as a business owner and realize like, I'm not for everybody. And even though, you know, 95% of my um, classes were very successful. It's like for the 5% that weren't, I would really beat myself up on 
about that. I would like focus on the 5% instead of the 95%. And so over time, I decided to F it about that too. Like I can't please everybody. And I know I'm on the right track. So I have so many people who are so grateful for my services and my teaching and all of the things. And so um, I think my effort for, you know, beginning first few years of my business was in realizing that you can't please everybody. You can't meet everybody's needs. And, and really, if you're for everybody, you're not for anybody. So kind of narrowing down who I wanted to serve. Yeah. And I think I really appreciate you bringing that together because I think that that is something that so many of us go through is we focus on that 2%, 5%, even 20% of the people who are against us rather than the abundance that is cheering us on. Um, one of the things I try to do, and I encourage a lot of the people that I work with to do this, is when we're having those moments before we start spiraling is to sit down and to write down, you know, what are the wins you had this week? What are the compliments you got this week? Because I think it gives us a more realistic view and brings us back to, again, that abundance that is out there. Because when we are coming from a place of value, when we know that we are showing up to to be truthful, to be honest, to be authentic, we are going to connect with the right people. And so I appreciate you bringing that up because I think so many, especially when they start their journey, it's easier to believe. I always remember that line from Pretty Woman. It's easier to believe the bad things than the good things and really getting a realistic view of, you know, who we truly are helping. So I appreciate you doing that. So, yeah, you are, you know, like you mentioned, you're four years into your new business. Talk to me a little bit about what are some of the things that you have done from a business perspective? If you had to rewind time, what are some of the business lessons that you've learned, you know, that you wish either you didn't do or that if you had to go back in time, some of those missteps that you want to to share with upcoming entrepreneurs so maybe they don't make the same mistakes? Um, I think that I envisioned starting my business and I would just know what I was going to do and that was going to be the path. And I did not expect how many iterations I would come to throughout my business. And so, you know, I started actually making photo books for busy moms who had all these pictures of their kids and wanted them printed in their living rooms. And so I thought that was going to be what it was. Well, that wasn't very lucrative. And so I eventually transitioned to teaching people how to make those books. And then I eventually um, transitioned into teaching people how to organize pictures. And then Um, you know, the Marshall fire happened in Colorado and I was teaching everybody how to organize their photos. And that was really a devastating moment in the community. And I was trying to think of ways I could serve using my skills I was already teaching. And so I started teaching people how to put together a home inventory using videos and photos, because Mm -hmm. as we saw, so many of the victims were fighting with their insurance companies because they had no proof of anything and their houses were all, you know, completely decimated. And so, um, I kind of beat myself up because I didn't stay on the path I started as, but I think that in business, it's really about pivoting and listening to the need of your clients or the community. And so I kind of got stuck on this. Do I even know what I'm doing? But I I still was teaching photo organization. It just showed up in a lot of different ways. But in that, I got really hard on myself because I thought, um, you know, if I knew what I was doing, I would just stick to the one, the thing. And so um, it's really opened up my eyes as I move forward, knowing that there will probably be many more iterations. And mm-hmm. so, and that's okay. And, you know, the biggest, 
I kind of laugh about it. I have a bucket under my bed that has 8,000 business cards because I keep making business cards to, you know, meet this is what I'm doing now. So then I have, you know, you can only order them in like 100 or 200. So I have hundreds of business cards. It just kind of makes me laugh, you know, to not take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have just given myself more grace knowing that this is such a long, not long, it's just such a journey to try to figure out how you're going to serve people. And at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. I want to serve people. I love photos. I love teaching. So in any way I can do it, it's okay. It doesn't have to look a certain way. Yeah. And I, I think that is it's so important to, you know, to again, give ourselves that grace. You know, one of the things that I'm hearing as we're talking more is you still are a teacher, you know, and I think that that is a really strong lesson too, because I think sometimes you know, we think, oh, I invested all this time, you know, was it wasted? But you're still a teacher. You're just doing it again in a different way. And I think that there's people out there who have, you know, been in the field of medicine, law, financing, and they still have a passion at the core of that industry. It may just not be in the traditional sense because you're still a teacher. And now you've paired it with another passion of the photography to, again, deliver it in just a different way. So I would love to, you know, get your thoughts on that and what you've seen maybe with others, because I think, again, just because you're changing so much of what we do can translate into what we are going to do. Well, and I think if you're um, authentically living your life, I feel like, you know, each of us is given a talent, a skill, something to share with the world, and it doesn't have to fit in a box. And so Mm -hmm. if you're open-minded and can figure out, you know, I mean, when I started teaching, there were a lot of older teachers who kind of hated their jobs, but they thought they had to stay there because they were waiting to get their retirement. Mm -hmm. And so even really early on, I swear I was never going to be that teacher. And when testing became such a focus in education, Um, and I ended up, you know, having my effort moment at 40, which honestly, none of this would have happened without that. And so I think that I realized I could still use my passion and my skills and my teaching, my love of teaching. And I'm still, you know, being authentic in who I am. It just looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I think that society and education kind of sets us up for fitting in a box because even though we are told to encourage our kids to all be different in the classroom and, you know, what are your strengths at the end of the day, they all have to take the exact same test Mm -hmm. and we compare them all to the exact same results. And so, you know, ideally it's like, Oh, live your dream, do what you're passionate about. But at the end of the day, we're all like compared to the same data. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the more people share their stories of getting out of the box, maybe the more it will inspire other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in, you know, a women's group up here. I'm in a masterminds group. And so I've just so many women I, that I'm in contact with are artists or, you know, financial planners. And they're just looking at different ways of serving, which is so amazing. They don't have to fit in this box. Exactly. And I think that is so well said, you know, to to understand that. And your story reminds me of my father's story. My father was a professor and I remember, you know, he retired at a fairly young age, but it was the same, it was the politics behind it. And he's like, I just remember, you know, the day that I was like, you know, this is not what I signed up for because he saw all the the way that people, again, were trying to standardize everything. And he's like, you know, that that's not how we operate. And I think you're so right. We preach one thing, but society practices a different thing. 
And so working with this. So how are you taking those thoughts of live your passion, live your life and communicating that to your children? Because I know one's in college. The other ones are probably in high school right now. So how do you communicate it when they're in traditional schools that could be trying to put them in a box? Well, it's really interesting. Um, our oldest son, he is at ASU and he was going to join a frat, just to check it out. He got into one and he really quickly realized it wasn't his thing. And he wanted to spend his money traveling the world. And so we encourage him, even though it's terrifying, you know, we encourage him, you know, go live, go explore the world. And you don't have to, you know, go to college and then stay there the whole year and then, you know, follow this ABC path. You can do whatever you want. And so it's funny, even his first semester in the fall, he was only at his school for like a few weekends because he was traveling all of the other ones. And so it's just great. I feel like we can encourage him and support him in that. Mm -hmm. um, our twins are going to be in high school next year. And even last summer, they wanted to start a business. And so they decided to go around and clean people's trash cans. And mm -hmm. they had a little wagon and they would go clean all the muck out of everybody's trash cans. And they made really good money. And so I think even just modeling for them for what they see and hear from me that I didn't settle and I'm still chasing my dreams and it's hard and you're going to fail and you have to learn the lessons. And so I think it's given them the space mm -hmm. to be able to do that themselves. And so I hope to continue, you know, encouraging my kids, all of them that, um, you know, whatever you pick, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It can still be whatever you want. So if you want to go to college, great. And you can still travel while you're in college. Right. And if you're only 14 years old and you want to start a business, you can still go approach adults in the neighborhood and ask them if they'll pay you to clean their trash cans. And that's okay too. So um, I think growing up the way I grew up, which was, I like adore my parents. They're the most hardworking, amazing humans. I'm very close with them. And, you know, they modeled what they knew and they did better than their parents. Uh, most of my grandparents didn't even graduate from high school. So here mm -hmm. my parents surpassed what they did. And so, you know, I just think that I hope my kids surpass what I do. And it'll be so exciting to see that every generation people, you know, are a little more successful than the last. Exactly. I love it. So let's talk a little bit more strategy. Again, as an entrepreneur, you know, building success, what are some of your best business tactics to to manage your time, to reach out and bring in more business, to connect with clients? Like what are some of the nuts and bolts that you do on a regular basis to build a successful business? So for starters, I have an accountability partner because as you probably know, as a solo entrepreneur, it's really hard. I mean, I was a teacher and my life was completely micromanaged. Mm -hmm. So starting a business and having nobody to be accountable to was really challenging in the beginning. I was meeting people for coffee and lunch and wondering why my business wasn't growing. But I was just like, you know, the newness of not having every minute of my life scheduled. Mm -hmm. um, so now I have an accountability partner. We meet every morning for like five to seven minutes and we just talk about our three goals for the day. And then we discuss, you know, what we got done yesterday, if we accomplished our goals or not. That has been a, a game changer for me. I just feel like responsible to somebody about what I'm doing every day. Um, I'm also in a mastermind group and we meet a couple nights a month and just share it. We've been on the same business journey um, for the same amount of time. So we were all together when we started and that's been really great. Um, as far as my day goes, I try to have a schedule. It's interesting. Um, 
You know, my morning schedule is really consistent, but as the afternoons go, it gets a little messier. So I'm still trying to figure that part out because I know that's really important in, you know, accomplishing my goals, trying to stay on track. I do better. I'm one of those people that does better with a schedule. And so I'm working on that one. But, um, you know, I'm just, I have a list of goals. I, I write my quarterly goals out every you know, few months and I um, have them on sticky notes on a chart on my wall so I can move them and change them if I need to. But um, I really just try to do the best I can every day and show up for work. And I think that one of the things I need to get better at is giving myself credit for how far I've come. I often find at the end of the day, it's like, I feel like I've worked all day and I have no idea what I got done. But I think, um, you know, I, I started with friends and family, moved to 55 and older communities. I've been now partnering with professionals um, in other industries, you know, hosting workshops and classes. Uh, my goal for this year is to get um, even a greater reach with people across the country through online classes and workshops. And so I've really come along yeah. further than I think, but it is hard to, you know, be on your own as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the one of the things I encourage you to do and for all of you following and watching, make a list. You know, I do this every week. You know, what were the things I accomplished in the last week? Because it really helps me because at the end of the day, we are so prone to talk about and to focus on all the things we didn't get done that we forget all the great things that happen. So even just making a list, you'll, you'll start to really see it. It's tangible in front of you. So yeah. that's a great exercise for you. I want to talk a little bit more about passion because, you know, you have this passion for teaching, but then you melded it together and married it with your passion for pictures. So tell me a little bit about this passion for photography, for pictures. Where did that come from? And, you know, because I think there's a lot of people out there that, again, have been able to bring their passion for this and their passion for, say, art, cooking, gardening, and then all of a sudden, bam, they have a new process. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about where this passion for pictures came from and how you married it with your love of teaching. Growing up, we always had my grandparents' photo albums in their living room we would look through. And then, you know, my parents always had photo albums. And so I think I always just loved the stories of the photos mm -hmm. and, um, you know, family history or looking at places where my parents had grown up. And so I just have always loved photos. And, you know, as soon as I was old enough, I got, you know, the little disposable cameras. I would take pictures all over the place and develop them. And, I kind of got into scrapbooking a little bit when that craze happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I, when I became an adult, I became the, I guess the family photographer in some ways. I was the really annoying sister, aunt, whatever. I was always taking pictures because I just feel like pictures freeze moments in time like nothing else. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we really love our pictures. I mean, people take them everywhere all the time. You know, we take pictures everywhere. And so even when people tell me, ah, I'm not that into pictures, I'm like, I see you, you're always taking them. And so, um, I started making calendars for my family for Christmas. Every single person in my family gets a customized calendar that they can look at new photos, you know, mm -hmm. a picture calendar for the whole year. And it's so cute. I love it so much. My sisters to this day are like, this is my most, you know, prized present every mm -hmm. year. I love it. And so I think just seeing the joy that people had from the things I was doing with photos, um, 
made me realize that this is a need. People love their pictures and a lot of people don't either either have the time or the patience to do the things with their pictures that they want to. And um, my parents had gone on a trip to Europe, a once in a lifetime trip and came home with all these pictures. And they were showing me and my kids the photos on their phone, like swiping through picture by Mm -hmm. picture, 3000 of them. And I helped them put them in a photo book and narrow them down to like a couple hundred. And it was so cute because they took their photo book everywhere and showed Mm -hmm. all their friends. And that's kind of how it started. I thought, you know, my parents who didn't grow up with technology, but love their pictures, you know, still in a way to share their experiences and their vacations and their memories and their grandkids with, you know, their friends and family. And so I started, I went to a women's business conference in South Carolina in 2019. And I met all these women who were on fire for business. And I was telling them, you know, what I was doing. And they're like, I could use you, I could use you. So I, that's kind of how it organically started. I met all these women and I started making photo books for them. And you know, then the teaching part came in because I realized I'd probably do better with a business if I was teaching other people how to do this than trying to do it all myself. So it just kind of organically came together and it really feeds my soul. I just am so lucky I get to do this. That's awesome. And then you you took it to a, a new level again. You mentioned, you know, listening to the community, listening to people's needs. So I do want you to share a little bit about you know, your, your business and, you know, what you're doing, because, you know, there was a a tragic fire in our area in Colorado. And, you know, my family was one of the families that we did lose one of our rental properties there, but you have now used this as a way to help people start to document, not just their loving memories, but their personal items to again, help them should devastation hit fire, flood, earthquakes, all of those. So tell us a little bit about what you do with this, because I think it's really important. And this is something I think everybody needs to be doing to start to document should something bad happen. Well, for starters, I think a lot of people haven't taken steps toward emergency preparedness because we just, we really think nothing will ever happen to us, or at least we hope nothing will happen to us. So by default, we don't really do anything. And then when you have something like the Marshall Fire happen, you realize we're all at risk and you see people, you know, we're two years out now and people are still trying to recover and rebuild. And so I think that it doesn't take much to do a little bit of preparing. And one of the ways you can do that is by documenting all of your belongings so that if God forbid anything happen, you have record of everything you own because there were stories of people who were fighting with insurance because their insurance companies were saying, you know, I'm not even joking. How many forks did you have? How many socks did you have? How many this, how many that? And when you're in this really traumatic situation, you can't even think about normal day-to-day stuff, not to mention things that you had in drawers and cupboards for years that you couldn't even think of. And so I think by creating this home inventory, you're just taking control so that if there ever was any sort of chaotic situation, you'll have at least some calm in the storm. And so I teach people in this class how to go around and, you know, there's a system and a process so that it's doable, but how to go through your house and really quickly and easily take record of everything that you own and how to take pictures of things that are maybe a little more high value so that you can highlight those in your inventory. Um, From this class, I started, I teach in Superior too. And so, um, you know, from it, just hearing stories even this class has had an iteration. I've started teaching even more emergency preparedness classes, you know, how to somebody showed up at your door and you had five minutes to evacuate. Do you know what you would grab? 
Most people have no idea and they would grab probably ridiculous things because your brain would be in panic mode. So even just teaching people how to have a quick list, like you've already thought it through. So if you were ever forced to quickly evacuate your home, you already know what you'll go grab. You have a go bag. Maybe you already have your important documents organized. You can just grab your passports and your birth certificates, things that can be replaced, but would be really hard. Um, you know, in the aftermath, if you were to lose everything. So those classes have been um, such a joy to be able to share with people because, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a fire um, on February 8th, a year ago, we had a fire in our neighborhood, Um, a house burnt down because a lithium battery in the garage. And so, you know, people, fires, the number one cause of house fires it's cooking so it doesn't really matter where you live what the weather's like we're kind of all at risk to um, fire or flood or you know whatever it is and so Mm -hmm. just having a plan helps you take a little bit of control over your safety of your family and your home yeah which I just love I just again as you're doing those I'm like oh I don't have that I don't have that and I think again it's just such a simple thing you can do um to again, give yourself the peace of mind. And one last thing I, I remember, you know, when I was on the plane and during that Marshall fire, it actually was headed towards my house, my, my primary residence. And I remember my friend calling me because she knew I was traveling saying, do you need me to go and get anything for you? And it was such a moment of, of peace and surrender to be like, you know what? I have my son. I have my dog. I have two weeks of clothes with me. Outside of a few key items like artwork and I'm like, I'm good. And I think, again, it just it just really taught me again to to really start to think about what are those key things. So I love that you are doing this and I think it's benefiting so many families. So I appreciate that. So I know you're you know working on building this business, but when you have to think about what's next for you, what's next in store for Melissa? So I think I... Um... I just, I think that the season of teaching in 55 and older communities and libraries and all of those things I've been doing for the last few years have been amazing and have been such a blessing to get my classes up and running, get feedback in person. Um, but next, I really want to grow my online business. So I have all the classes I teach, I already have online so people can buy them. They um, are self-paced. You know, there's videos of me, but they're already done. So people who are super busy can do it in their own space and time whenever it's most convenient. I also want to grow my business in the organizer world. I've realized I've had connections with a few professional organizers, Mm -hmm. and I've realized at the heart of everything, I'm really an organizer. And so I would love to partner. I'm working toward a few big things this year to partner with professional organizers who help people in their homes, but don't necessarily have expertise in photos. Mm -hmm. And so as they're organizing people's houses, people are like, what about my pictures? And so I'm going to try to partner um, with some of those professionals in this coming year. And I've also really um, acquired a love of speaking. Um, I've done a bunch of podcasts and sharing my story and my business. And I'm going to um, be doing a few workshops and events this year. So, you know, adding public speaking to my list of goals for the year. But really, my goal is to add, um, to create a space where I can do most of my business online. 
even if it's still teaching and doing classes, just doing them online so that I can, like you, be traveling the world and still oh, yeah. be working and fulfilling mm-hmm. my, you know, dream of growing my business. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we will be able to support you in that. I'm going to put all of your contact information all of the, in the show notes so people know how to reach out to you and get access to everything that you're doing and, and hire you so that they can help themselves. So I love what you are doing and just want to support you in that. As we come to a close in our time today, you know, the first question I asked you is what did you think success would look like when you were young? Now, sitting where you are today with all the experiences that you have behind you, how do you define success for yourself now? I think moving forward, success for me is just constantly learning and growing. I don't ever want to become stagnant in anything or settle in a comfort zone of any sort. So I think continuing as I you know, get older and keep growing my business to always just be looking for the next way I can learn and grow. Um, I think serving people, however that looks, you know, it doesn't have to fit in a box. I hope it always involves teaching and photos. And I hope that as new opportunities come up, I'm just constantly open-minded to um, being able to serve my business, you know, through my business, however that looks. But I also want to, you know, have financial freedom in a sense where we can travel whenever we want and provide opportunities for our kids. So um, with all of that, of course, I hope that, you know, that freedom piece will come with it as well. Definitely. I love it. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your story, you know, sharing your ideas and, and just being so open and honest about everything. I know that your message is going to resonate with so many who are out there wanting to take that next step. And just again, knowing that it's about giving ourselves a little bit of grace, but also believing in ourselves and not being afraid to let go of the safety and the security and say F it and start going after our dreams. So thank you so much for being a guest. I really honor and appreciate you. Thanks, Clara. And I would definitely recommend for people who need a little more support joining your league because I feel like the resources and classes and support you give are equally as important for me this year in 2024 growing my business. So thank you. you. I appreciate you being in there. So, all right, everyone, let's bring it together and let's start wrapping it up. You know, Melissa, so many things she talked about, I really want to hit on because I think that there were so many great lessons. I have my little list here. You know, some of the things that she talked about is it's okay to be uncomfortable. You know, this idea of messiness, we want it to be pretty. We want it to be easy, but the truth is success is messy and going after your dreams, it's going to be worth it. But you got to understand it's not always going to be perfect. Your roadmap from point A to point B is going to be fraught with bumps and hills and rocks and all those things. So understand that. And then she paired that with the concept of as you are going through that to give yourself some grace. Again, focus on the good things. You know, don't feed into all the negativity. Get real. Learn from some of the feedback, but focus that In so many instances, we're actually accomplishing more good things and we're reaching more good people than we are the bad, you know, and understanding and accepting the fact that we don't need to be everybody's cup of tea. The way that we do things, our processes aren't designed for everyone. And that is okay because even if only 10% of the population loves you, those 10% are the ones that we want to serve. In most cases, it's more than that. But the idea is, again, the right people will resonate with you. And when you show up to serve, 
those are the people that really matter. So again, focus on the right people. Don't just focus everywhere. One of the comments that she made is when you try to be everything for everybody, you really can't be anything for anybody. So again, know that. Um, the idea of surrounding yourself with your tribe. You know, she talked about the fact that she's joined these women's groups. Get out there. Find like-minded people. There's a concept out there and it's called possibility blindness. And so many times, especially when we are forging forward into something new, because we haven't accomplished it for ourselves, we tend to wonder, is it even possible? The analogy of this is Roger Bannister, who was the gentleman that broke the four minute mile record. Before he did that, people thought it was impossible. But the moment that he did that, thousands have now broken that record. The idea is they now have seen it as being possible. That is one of the things I love so much about my networking groups and being able to connect with other female entrepreneurs. I can see that they've done the things that I'm trying to accomplish. And even though I'm gonna do them differently, knowing that these things are possible gives me the clearance the confidence and again, the clarity to go forward. So really engage with others. You know, she said, listen to the need, you know, going out there, listen to your people. What are their biggest challenges? What are their biggest points of pain? What is it that they really need? Because if you can fulfill what it is they need, that's how you're going to open up and be able to serve them. And then lastly, she talked about the power of accountability. It's easy to get off track. We can have the best laid goals out there but sometimes we need people holding us accountable. Now for me personally, even though I am a coach, I have coaches. I also have an accountability partner. And just like Melissa, we check in on a regular basis for just a few minutes to really go over, you know, what is our game plan? What is our main area of focus? Do we need help with anything? So again, we are there to make sure that we are holding ourselves accountable because greatness is out there, but we need to make sure that we're showing up. So, so many great lessons, and I hope that you took away some tremendous value. I really honor you for being such a fan of the show. You know, we are in our sixth season now. I've just rebranded it, so we're actually on season two of this iteration of it. But so many of you have reached out and have followed the show for, you know, the couple of years that we've been out since 2020, and we're even growing more. So I encourage you to please make sure you are continuing to not just follow for yourself, but let's share these messages. Remember, there are people out there who need to hear from us who need to know that they are not alone. And that is my drive for the show, is to remind people everywhere, not just today's generation, but the future generations, that our dreams matter, our voices matter, and that we matter, and that our dreams are worthy of going after. So I'm Clara Capano. Thank you so much for being a part of the show with me. And remember, you can create success and do it all on your terms. Until next time, thank you so much.